Rod, it was, it's the whiskey scene. He's like going on a skateboard <laughs> on his back down this like giant <laughs> hill. And he as soon as, which by the way, a safe word going down, who's going to stop you? Nobody can, <laughs> whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. And he like flies into this like, like trailer and the guy comes out and he's like, what the hell? And then Rico just starts like beating the shit out of this guy. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. <laughs> You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Men Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name's Jamie. And I'm Nina. And uh, this is a special episode. So yesterday was my birthday. Happy belated birthday to me. Um, So we were, when we were kind of planning out this month and what we wanted to review, because my birthday fell on a Friday before there'd be an episode, I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we did my favorite movies? And unfortunately, we missed, just before Nina became co-host, we missed her birthday, but we're going to do it next month. So we're going to do her favorite movies next month and it turns out actually that jamie and i are soul sisters because (laughs) uh, the well two of the three movies that she picked as her favorite movies are actually a couple of my favorite movies too so i had a hard time narrowing down what i wanted (laughs) to review other ones yeah (laughs) we just have good taste um so we're talking about three movies today um we are going to be talking about wayne's world uh hot rod and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So if you hadn't noticed, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> we are going to end with Eternal Sunshine. So it's going to end on kind of a sad note, but yeah. but that's okay. Um, so first, I really want to talk about uh, Wayne's World because Wayne's World is my number one favorite movie of all time. And when I told Nina this, she kind of gave me a weird look like, really (laughs) i had actually not seen it in its entirety like in one sitting oh my god and when i just re i watched it over the weekend this past weekend um i definitely have seen all of it just like not all at one time Mm -hmm. and i'm excited to hear what you what you think of it so this movie yeah came out february 14th 1992 it is based on an snl skit um it was directed by penelope spheris who I didn't know based on her name, but fun fact, she also directed Black Sheep with the late Chris Farley and The Little Rascals. You ever wow. seen Little Rascals? Yeah. That's a good one. Wow, she kind of hit up the the early 90s movies. Oh, yeah. I didn't see anything like recent that I knew of, but um, kind of cool. It was produced by Lorne Michaels, which if you know that name, he is behind Saturday Night Live um, and was written by Mike Myers and Bonnie and Terry Turner. It stars Mike Myers as Wayne Campbell and Dana Carvey as Garth Algar, um, both of SNL, of course, because it's based on an SNL skit. Um, it also stars Rob Lowe, Tia Carrere, and uh, Chris Farley, Meatloaf, and Alice Cooper have cameos, which is kind of cool. Um, so kind of the basic plot of this movie, actually, before I get into that, some fun stuff. Um it is actually the, it, to this day, remains the highest grossing film based on a Saturday Night Live skit. Really? Yes. And there hasn't been that many. I mean, there's been like MacGruber, um, Coneheads. Uh, those are the only two I can think of off the top of my head. But um, kind of fun. It did spawn a sequel, Wayne's World 2, which was released at the end of 93. In my opinion, Wayne's World 2 is just not really worth it. It wasn't. <laughs> to me worth the time i didn't even know there was a second one there is i have only (laughs) seen it a handful of times it's just not very funny it relies on a lot of the old jokes it's just Mm. it's just you know kind of you know it should have just been one and done type thing yeah so plot of the show it takes place in aurora illinois which is a suburb of chicago wayne lives at home and he hosts a public access tv show called wayne's world with his best friend garth and wayne doesn't have a job lives at you know lives in his parents basement but it's, it is his dream to do Wayne's World for a living. So one night, uh, Wayne, Garth, and their friends, they go to this bar. 
uh, nightclub, and that's when he meets Cassandra, who is the lead singer and bassist of a band called Crucial Taunt. Falls in love with her immediately. She's beautiful. She's talented. There's even a scene where she, like, beats up these guys. It's kind of funny. And he's just like, she's a babe. She's amazing. Tries to go talk to her, and she kind of just, like, brushes him off. Um, the One of the first episodes, or I get, not for one of the first episodes, an episode that we see being broadcast, there's this guy that comes in with a suck cut. It is a vacuum cleaner that cuts your hair. Pretty funny. And who is watching it but Benjamin, Rob Lowe. And he decides he wants to um, exploit this show. So he reaches out to Wayne and Garth, and he offers them $10,000 for the rights to the show. And he pitches it to um, Noah Vanderhoff. He owns, like, a bunch of arcades. And um, I I think he's just some rich guy. And he wants him to sponsor this show and kind of, you know, manipulates him into doing it um, as long as he's able to kind of – advertise his businesses I guess um, which is what a sponsor does Um, and Wayne and Garth are kind of none the wiser there is kind of a funny scene where Garth is and they break the fourth wall constantly throughout this film which is so funny and um, he's like oh I dropped my pen and he like tells the camera to like come down and talk to him he's like isn't this weird why does this guy have (laughs) contracts like what's going on like he doesn't really trust him Um, so they get to their first show um, with, you know, their sponsor and it's like, they're completely selling out. Basically they have all these weird lights and like the theme song is different. And like, they're both like, this is totally weird. We don't like where this is going. It's not the same. And, um, they have Noah Vanderhoff on the show and Wayne just like completely embarrasses him. Like with all of these like little note cards that are, you know, just making fun of him the whole time. And Noah Vanderhoff doesn't realize and he ends up getting fired from the show because he publicly humiliates a sponsor. Aside from all of this, he's also seeing Cassandra. They hit it off. They're having a great time. Benjamin is also interested in Cassandra. He wants her to be like a late night performer, like with her band. But she's not interested in him, even though he's, you know, rich and good looking and whatnot. So Benjamin, there's this cool scene. He's trying to distract Wayne and Garth. He gives them tickets backstage pass it backstage passes actually to alice cooper they go to the concert and then they go backstage and this is a hilarious scene where they go back to go talk to him like oh this big party guy and he's just like super intellectual and talking about you know like how milwaukee is like the only or maybe it's actually the city was or the state of Wisconsin has only had no it is Milwaukee has had three socialist mayors and is talking about you know the origin of the name and they're just like what is this guy talking about it's pretty funny kind of it, while he's in you know full makeup and everything too is pretty funny so yeah Wayne gets fired and then um, Benjamin wants to take a standard to go film a music video and Wayne doesn't really trust it um, he thinks that you know maybe she's sleeping with him and she's like that is offensive you need to trust me so she asked him to leave and then Wayne ends up running after her and um wins her back and also during all of this um when they went to the Alice Cooper show they go backstage and they just kind of meet with this roadie Chris Farley and he talks about what is his name Frank Sharp he's the head of Sharp Records And so he's like, wouldn't it be great for Cassandra if I, you know, gave her something that Benjamin can't, like, I don't have all this money and all these connections that he does. So he comes up with this idea to basically hijack into Frank Sharp's limo with a broadcast of their show, showing them perform so she can get a record deal. So they end up pulling it off and, um, and (laughs) there's a couple different versions of the ending, much like a, um, you know, choose your own adventure style where there's one where he says no and she breaks up with Wayne and, um, oh, and I never mentioned that Wayne has this, um, ex-girlfriend Stacy that's following him around the whole movie and she's really creepy and in the bad version of the ending, she's like, Wayne, I'm pregnant and just like, every, like the house burns down and it's like everything's terrible. Then they have a Scooby-Doo ending, but then the happy ending is, you know, Frank Sharp is like, I want to sign you, you're amazing. Wayne and uh, Cassandra, you know, kiss and make up. And Garth is also, like, too shy to talk to this girl at this, you know, 
diner that they go to all night. She admits her love to him and it all ends up super happy. So that's a super generalized uh, description of this movie, but there's just a lot of like goofy things in there. There's a lot of like pop culture references. There's also this really funny scene where Benjamin is like, you guys need to start advertising and they, you know, kind of tongue in cheek the entire time they're saying like, we will bow to no sponsor are sponsoring different things like Pizza Hut, Reebok, um, Pepsi. It's pretty funny. Um, I just love this movie because it's just really goofy. It's not serious. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, It's an easy watch. I'm pretty sure it's rated PG-13. And as far as where it is available, um, it's not available on anywhere streaming, unfortunately. Uh, Nina, how did you have to watch it? Um, I watched it on a server, so I couldn't (laughs) find it anywhere either. Well, I have it on DVD, but um, I'm sure, you know, like Apple movies, you can rent it, um, or you can probably find it. I think it's on Amazon for rent as well. I mean, you could rent it anywhere you would rent any other movie, um, or get a DVD, or it's probably even on VHS because it's an early 90s movie. I bet it is. I love it. I think it's wonderful, and it's so much fun. Um, and I don't know. I don't know why I love it so much. I've just I've loved this movie since I was 13, so can't really explain it other any other way. But that's Wayne's World, my favorite movie, and Nina is going to take it away on another one of my favorites, Hot Rod. And these movies are kind of related in the fact that they're both like have an SNL base, kind of. Yeah. So um, Hot Rod came out in 2007, and the director was Akiva Schaefer, who um, also directed Popstar and oh, the yeah. Lego movie. Ooh. And he is part of The Lonely Island, which yes. is from SNL. So... Um, the cast for this movie is just amazing. Um, this movie was really big. Well, it came out in 2007. I was still in high school then, but I really got into it in college and watched it a ton of times in college. It's just so funny. Um, the cast is great. Um, it was written by Pam Brady, who uh, was one of the writers for South Park. Um, the cast that totally makes sense sorry i'm eating a rice krispie treat but that totally makes sense now that you say that yes um so yeah between um kiv schaefer and pam brady it's just like hysterical um andy samberg is the main character rod ian mcshane is frank who's rod or who's rod's stepdad um jorma jorma tacone is kevin who's rod's stepbrother so he's also part of the lonely island as a regular on snl Bill Hader, a regular on SNL, he's one of Rod's friends. Dave, Danny McBride is Rico, one of Rod's friends. Isla Fisher is the love interest. She plays Denise. Um, Sissy Spacek is in this as Rod's mom. And then Will Arnett is also in it as Jonathan, who is Denise's boyfriend. So it's got a pretty star-studded cast with hilarious, hilarious people. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, the plot of the movie... When I broke down the plot of this movie, it's really pretty basic, but what makes the movie is all of the hilarious, um, like, sequences of scenes of just, like, ridiculous things happening. It's just so funny. There's, it's highly quotable. Um, so many hilarious lines and one-liners in this movie. It's just so great. But the plot of the story is basically that Rod Kimball, who's Andy Samberg, um, you find out that he is told for his whole life that his father, who, his late father, um, was this stuntman who worked for Evil Knievel. So Rod aspired to follow in his dad's footsteps and become a famous stuntman himself on his little moped. Which this movie is funny too because it's kind of like Wayne's World in the fact that it's like these like burnout adults. Yeah. Like, young adults that haven't, are still living with their parents, like, haven't really done anything with their lives kind of people. Um, But, so Rod has this, like, this really weird relationship with his stepdad, Frank, um, (laughs) that basically Frank thinks that Rod is just, like, like, a piece of crap, basically. Yeah, just a nobody. (laughs) Yeah, he thinks he's a nobody. He doesn't respect him. And that just drives Rod nuts. He wants Frank's respect so bad. The two of them, like, spar, like, physically all the time, like, try to beat each other. Frank always wins. It just, like, hurts Rod's feelings. Um, And you come to find out that Frank actually needs a heart transplant, like, urgently or he's going to die. And Rod is like, this is not going to (laughs) happen. Something he says is, 
I'd rather die than live in a world where I can't kick your ass, Frank. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm the gonna beat you, you old sack of shit. <laughs> He's like, the, so basically, the premise of the movie is that Rod is trying to figure out how he can keep Frank alive so that someday he can kick Frank's ass. So. <laughs> Um, he can't stand the thought of Frank dying without getting the chance to gain Frank's respect and beat him in a fight. So he gets this idea to use his stuntman skills to put together a fundraiser for Frank. And his stuntman skills are like definitely not impressive at all. But Rod and all of his friends are of the mindset that he's going to be this amazing stuntman on his little moped in his neighborhood. So, you know, cue scene sequences of Rod doing all of these stunts, falling on his face. Yeah, set on fire. Like yes. Human pinata type thing. Trying to jump a swimming pool. Just all of these ridiculous things. Um, his stepbrother Kevin and his childhood best friends, Dave and Rico, um, begin to promote the fundraiser and help Rod practice his stunts. Rod develops a crush on his neighbor, Denise, who's played by Isla Fisher, and he invites her to join his crew, but she's got a boyfriend, Jonathan, um, even though Denise kind of has a soft spot for Rod for the, throughout the whole movie. Um, so in order to promote the stunts and raise money for the fundraiser, Rod does all these different performances at parties and corporate events, um, trying to raise money. Kevin kind of does this little side filming thing where he films Rod doing all these things, edits it on his computer, and he puts together a video that they think is a great idea to show in the local theater to raise money and awareness about the fundraiser. But everybody thinks it's a huge joke. They laugh at Rod. He gets upset. Um, he breaks the projector at the movie theater and has to pay for the damages with all the money that he's raised for Frank. So he essentially gives up and just thinks that, you know, there's nothing like this is going to happen. He's not going to be able to... Do this, do the big fundraiser for Frank, and he kind of just gives up on his dream. But ultimately, the video actually starts to gain traction on the internet, and a local radio station offers to sponsor Rod for his fundraiser and cover the costs of it. So Rod gets the crew back together, and they continue to prepare for the big jump. Rico does some pyrotechnic things to Rod's bike. Um, his moped to make it go a lot faster than what Rod is used to. Denise and Jonathan break up, and Denise kisses Rod before the big jump to give him some motivation to go through with it. His big jump is actually to jump over 15 school buses that are lined up in, like, it's like a... An assembly line type deal. Yeah, basically. It's one more than Evil Knievel jumped. Yes. He checked online. <laughs> He did. Um, so with the new, like, pyroed out moped, Rod does make the jump, but he goes, like, flying way over it. Um, he crashes through the stage, and he has this out-of-body experience, but ultimately he recovers. He's okay. They've raised just enough money for Frank's surgery, and then later on, six months later in the movie... Um, Rod and Frank are sparring, and Rod actually wins and earns Frank's respect, and everybody's happy, and it's just so funny. It's just so funny. It really is. And I got to be honest with you, the first time I saw this movie, I didn't think it was funny. No, it gets funnier the more you watch it. I was just like, what the All hell the is this? <laughs> I, it's, it just sounds so stupid when I'm trying to like describe this the plot of this movie, because you just, if you haven't seen it, it's not funny and... Until you just can't you, you take just it seriously. It. You can't. You can't watch this movie expecting like a cinematic. Well, I don't know. It is kind of a cinematic masterpiece. But you can't. You can't go into it expecting like you know some sort of like philosophical, you know, experience where you question life. Like you just yes. just go in ready to giggle, and mm -hmm. you will be satisfied. Every time I tell, I always ask people because it's one of my favorite movies. It's definitely my favorite comedy. I ask people if they had seen it, and if they say no, I'm like, okay, you need to watch it about three times. <laughs> Just get through it, and then you're going to love it. Because once you get to the point where you are like able to quote it, that's when it gets to be really funny. There's so many good one-liners. The safe word is whiskey. 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 What? <laughs> um, there's there's um, some acid dropping in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have this acid, but I can't take it. <laughs> well, I'll do it. So I did it, it's and I just, got my board, and just I was tripping balls, man. Oh my god, it's just so funny. 
or the oh god the scene okay so yeah yes where ron it was it's the whiskey scene he's like going on a skateboard (laughs) on his back down this like giant (laughs) hill and as soon as which by the way a safe word going down who's gonna stop you nobody can (laughs) whiskey 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 and he like flies into this like like trailer and the guy comes out and he's like what the hell and then rico just starts like beating the shit out of this guy i've been drinking green tea all goddamn day (laughs) it's my hat now it's totally my hat people who are listening to this that have not seen this movie like are probably wondering what the hell why would you why would you promote this film it's so funny it's amazing uh, all the memes. There's like there's so many great gifts related to this movie too. Oh, it yeah. kind of became a cult fit, like a cult movie. Um, it actually kind of flopped in the bo- in the box office. Oh yeah. Um, I think they had like a 25 million dollar budget for the movie, and it only made like 14 million. So that's a super big bummer because it is so funny. I feel like a lot of cult classics are like that. They don't. Mm-hmm. They're not like innately or not, not innately. They're not originally reviewed very well and then just over time just meme culture or just you yes. know the forest dance scene which is a rip oh, off yeah. of uh footloose but is amazing and he goes falling down that hill is incredible mm-hmm. it's a great movie isn't it on netflix it is on netflix or you can rent it on prime um it it's kind of like pop star too like have you seen pop star no I oh, it's, yet. So, it's very similar and like you just have to like have the right frame of mind and um the right sense of humor going into the movie to enjoy it i think if you like andy samberg you will like this movie and i love him this is just like peak andy samberg this was when he was still on snl like the beginning of snl when he first got started Mm -hmm. before he you know got into brooklyn Nine Nine and before lonely island really took off it's just it's a great movie y'all need to see it it also Um, has a great soundtrack it does it has like some just like iconic songs in the movie okay just add to it that song when they're like walking towards the the stadium (laughs) you're the voice trying to understand it (laughs) my friend put that on a, a mix for me for like a christmas gift years ago and i still just like that song just like gets the party going oh, it's great that one and then when they're like dancing in front of the like convenience two store of hearts, <laughs> two hearts one. oh That's my so god great. my roommate and i in college probably watched it like every single day for at least a month i remember it was like winter and we didn't want to leave the dorm and we just watched the movie over and over to the point where we could just quote like the entire movie it's so great oh it's so great i'll end our discussion of hot rod with the dog walked itself home, made a pizza, and took a nap. <laughs> In other news, we're going to talk about <laughs> Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I feel kind of bad ending with this very, very sad movie, it but sad. it's fine. So Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, if you do not know this film, it uh, came out in 2004, and it stars Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, and Tom Wilkinson. So again, star-studded cast. The main cast, though, is uh, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Um, Jim plays Joel Barish, and um, Kate Winslet plays Clementine. And um, the two uh, are together for, I think, like two years. And um, in this universe, I guess, there exists this company that can essentially erase a person from your life they can um based on objects um things that they gave you things that you did together anything that makes you think of that person through a process they can erase that person and those memories from your mind if you you know go through a harsh breakup or you know you uh, you saw in the movie a woman was trying to erase you know her pet you know like hard losses or breakups or divorce or whatever these people are able to re- erase them from your mind so you can supposedly live a happier life. Um, this movie is directed by Michael or Michel Gondry. He is a French director. He also, weirdly enough, directed The Green Hornet and Be Kind Rewind. Wow. And it also won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. It is really an excellent movie. It's it been is. one of my favorite movies since it came out. Um, it's one of those movies where the plot... Or while you're watching it, the sequence is out of order. So you are putting together the actual 
like timeline in your mind from all of these different scenes yes. so that by the end of the movie you're figuring out what the actual like plot of the movie is yeah it is a little confusing on a first mm-hmm. watch but i mean it's a beautiful movie like the cinematography yes. is gorgeous the soundtrack is great but like i said it is it is very sad so i also love jim carrey in a serious role me too he and he does i'll, I'll talk about this a, a little bit later but um he's so just sad in this Mm -hmm. movie i can't really think of another word but he's just very sad so the movie starts off with him waking up one day and it's valentine's day i'm pretty sure and he you know is just talking about he's a very depressed guy obviously very somber guy and he's like valentine's day was invented by the card companies to make people feel like crap and he's um this is all based in like new york or the you know new england area whatever he decides to skip work that day. And he's like, I don't know why I'm not an impulsive person. And he has this journal that he writes in. And he's like, haven't written in two years. I have all these pages written out. Why is that? It's, you know, kind of confusing. And he goes up to Montauk in February. So it's freezing. And he's on the beach and he sees this other woman kind of like waving at him. And they end up riding the, the train back to the same place. And they start talking and... That's when he meets, or when you think he meets Clementine for the first time, Kate Winslet. And um, she seems just kind of like a weirdo to him. Like she has blue hair. She seems way more outgoing than he is. More, you know, I live my life to the fullest. They kind of spend the day together. He goes back to her house. They have a few drinks. And she is like, I'm going to marry you, like right off the bat. He's like, oh, I don't know about that. And but then they decide to spend the next day together and they have a great time and um, it kind of ends there and then it you think it skips ahead to when they break up. But again, like Nina said, the, the timeline of this movie is very confusing at first if you've never seen it. So we we go forward in the film where Joel finds out about this this company and I can't even think of what it's called right off the top of my head, but they are able to erase people and they they break up. You don't really know why. But um, he goes to her job at like a bookstore and she has no idea who he is and he is freaking out and she already has a new boyfriend too, which is weird. So um, he finds out about this company and um, decides he wants to do it too. This is where um, Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo and Tom Wilkinson come in. Tom Wilkinson is uh, Lacuna is what it's called. Thank you. Um he kind of like barges in and is like, I need to do this. I need to erase this person from my life. And so they kind of, you know, scooch him in or squeeze him into their schedule. And um, Kirsten Dunst, she just is kind of like the receptionist. Mark Ruffalo is just one of the employees there. And Tom Wilkinson is, I think, just the main doctor. And so what they do is they come to your home. I don't, I think, I don't know if they like drug you so you mm-hmm. don't wake up. Um, but they come to your home and they just spend all night just kind of mapping your brain out of all these memories and erasing them. And so through this, we we see all of these memories that Joel and Clementine have together. You find out why they broke up. And it was very impulsive. It didn't seem like, well, it seemed like they weren't getting along for a while. They had been having issues, you know, like all relationships go through. They, you know, had their differences and they just kind of broke up over essentially nothing. Mm-hmm. And... um Continuing to go back in the relationship, Joel realizes, I don't want to erase her, even as hard as it is that we're not together anymore. And as as painful as it is, we had some, you know, these wonderful memories and I, I don't, I don't want to erase her. I don't want to forget about her. So he's like trying to like wake himself up. He's trying to like, it's kind of cool how they, how they film it, how he tries to jump into these memories where she's not supposed to be like his childhood or, you know, other places before he met her. So they can't find him in his mind. It's, it's really cool. Um, on the other side, these other characters. So um, Kristen and, or Kirsten and Mark Ruffalo's characters are, I don't think they're dating, but they're kind of into each other and they're working together. And Elijah Wood is also there. And you find out that he is actually Clementine's new boyfriend and he's kind of a creeper. He fell in love with her, he says, when they were erasing her memory. Mm -hmm. And so he, Joel kind of finds out that he's been using all of these things that Joel did to win over Clementine saying the same things that he said doing the same yeah. things is creepy it is very creepy 
And um, eventually by the end of it, Joel wakes up and I mean, the, the, the surgery, whatever you want to call it, it worked. He no longer remembers Clementine. And also um, Kirsten kisses the doctor and he's married, of course. And um, they find out that she had actually been one of his first clients, I guess. She had erased him because she had fallen in love with him before. And she is very upset to find out that all these people who worked there, including Mark Ruffalo, knew of what happened to her, the procedure. So she quits and in kind of a retaliating move decides to, the company holds on to like all these, everyone records a tape. Why are you erasing this person? She sends all of the tapes back to all the clients. And so we, we fast forward to basically what you find out is the very next day after Joel wakes up from his procedure, he meets Clementine, he thinks for the first time, and it's actually for the second time. And after their night together, when they go out on the ice and they're having fun and hanging out, she goes to get her mail and she finds her tape and she starts listening to it. And they're kind of like, what's going on? How do you know who I am? Like, And they kind of put two and two together that they've met before. They have a history. And in the end, it's it's really sweet. Um, Clementine says, you know, basically like this is just going to happen again. We're just gonna, I'm going to get bored with you. I'm going to feel trapped, and because that's just what happens with me. I can't you know stay with anybody. And he's just like, okay, well, I want to take that risk, and I I want to be with you, and I just I want to you know give this another try. And they do. And she's like, okay, let's do it. And they decide to give it another chance. So the movie does end on like a good note, mm-hmm. but it's really sad how it gets there. And um, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I'm sometimes, you know, when you get really frustrated with somebody in your past, you're like, God, I wish I could just eternal sunshine you, you know, just like mm-hmm. erase you from my life or my memory. But no matter how somebody is or how they were in your life, how they got there or when they left, you can't erase somebody. They make you who you are. Those experiences are what makes you who you are. And eventually people come back to find you. So it it kind of has a message of, you know, people are going to be a part of your life, your past, your future. Mm -hmm. And that's just, they, they, they never really leave you. I guess. And it's one of those things to remember even after a bad breakup that you still loved that person for a reason and all of those memories that you have together. Yeah. Like weren't for nothing because they made you who you are and part of your history. So it's a good movie to watch after a breakup, I would say. Yeah. It's kind of a, takes a happy spin on a sad situation. Yeah. You know what? Um, Actually, funny funny enough, Joel Kozacek, who uh, is one of our... um managers he it's it's based on a book which i've never read but in the book they just keep doing it to themselves over and over and over and over and over until they're like really really old oh so that's kind of depressing (laughs) they just like continue to erase each other and then meet again and and i think that kind of you know hones in that that message too of you know the the people that we lose never really leave us whether it's by choice or by see how that would be fun because you know like when you first meet somebody and you head it off and the sparks fly and you eventually get to a place in your relationship where it doesn't feel that new anymore and you miss that feeling of when you were learning each other and and those kinds of things so you could in that reality you could experience that over and over again yeah meet you for the first time you know what i wish that i could erase breaking bad from my life so i could re-experience it same god it was so great the first time i watched it really was but the second time I watched it, it just wasn't as exciting. Some things are just better the first time. I don't so know. True. Well, so true. those are three of my favorite movies of all time. We're going to talk a little bit more about why they're my favorite movies and what we like about them or possibly not like. Um, but first, let's talk about what else we're watching. So I really want to talk about what I've been watching, which is you, yes. finally. I'm so happy you watched this. <laughs> I watched the whole first season. I'm almost done with season two. And 
Okay, I like the show. I do. It's addicting. I I like how they do it, how it's... And I've never read the books, so I kind of want your opinion on this, how Joe is talking to, in the first season, it's Beck. In the second season, it's Love. How he's, you know, you're watching all these things unfold while he's also talking to them at the same time. I really like that, how he's, like, mm-hmm. narrating to a person while you're also watching it as it happens. Um, but if you're unfamiliar with you, it's on Netflix and it's about this. Honestly, everyone in the show is pretty terrible in one way or another, but the main character, Joe Goldberg is in the first season. He meets this girl, Guinevere Beck, and he falls in love with her and he just starts stalking her. And he feels that, you know, there's all these things in her life that he can fix and he can, you know, protect her and, all the while is just murdering people and being a terrible person, but explaining it off as being a good person. And you find out he also has had this really troubled past, like his father was abusive, his mom, you learn a little bit more about them in the second season that she kind of, what, like ran out on him, I think. And he gets taken in by this guy who owns a bookstore and he kind of abused him as well so he's pretty messed up from his from his childhood and his adolescence and it explains why he is the way he is but uh I think we talked about this before uh, maybe a previous episode that you can kind of compare him to Dexter in a way mm-hmm. I would say Dexter has better intentions on what he does like he murdered people because they're bad people right. you know doing a bad thing for the right reason I just think Joe is really deluded in his actions he Mm -hmm. thinks he's doing the right thing but it's really just being selfish and he wants people to himself and he wants to create people in his own version of what they should be i just think he's a bad guy but uh it's it's addicting (laughs) he's a bad guy but the way that i think first of all the the fact that he is speaking to the camera or speaking directly to the reader in the books that helps you empathize with him in a way that you wouldn't normally because you're listening to his thoughts and his justifications for doing the things that he does. Um, I like it because it makes you kind of question your own morals because, like I said, you're starting to empathize with Joe and thinking like, well, he murdered this person because he thinks that it's it will help Beck or he thinks that it's going to you know, make the world a better place because this person's not in it, blah, blah, blah. And so you kind of, you empathize with that and you're like, okay, well, sure. Like, I guess, you know, Um, and he's doing it out of what he thinks are pure intentions. And he just wants to give back the world. He loves her so much. He, um, he's like, he's stalking her because he thinks that he is great for her. He's not thinking like, well, he is. It is his own selfish intentions, but he thinks that he is like the the bee's knees. Like he just thinks that he's like the best. He's God's gift to the yes, world, and he wants to give himself to Beck and help her realize her full potential in life and all of these things as a writer and as a as a woman. And I don't know. It's just. It's conflicting. It is like conflicting. One minute you're rooting for him, and the next you're like, "Oh God, not again!" Like, and every time he, somebody dies by his hands, he's just like, "Oops, yeah." <laughs> like, I didn't, oh, I, didn't I didn't mean, mean to, to do, do that. that. It's yeah. Like, but but you but you did. Yeah. Um. Who is it? Chris um, D'Elia, who I think got famous. Was he a comedian first? I don't know who that. Or is. did he get famous from Vine? He was um, Henderson in season two. Oh. I like him. So he, yeah, he's a comedian and... I didn't know him before that. also was on Vine. I don't know if he became famous from Vine. Was he a comedian first? Listeners out there, do you know? Anyway, he is in season two. He plays a total creep and, (laughs) spoiler alert, he dies and like Joe goes to his house because he likes to prey on younger women. He like ties him up and he wants to get him to confess and ruin his career and then um, Henderson finds out that it's that it's Joe doing it, and so he, you know his identity is revealed, and so he tries to run away, and then Joe just like shoves him down the stairs, and he hits his head, and he dies. Like, just like <laughs> oops, well right. another person's dead. Like my biggest my biggest 
grievance with this show is like so in the first season's New York and it ends and he escapes to Los Angeles because Beck dies and he frames it on her therapist, but he has his ex-girlfriend Candace, who you find out is alive. He thought he killed her and she's basically just going to try to, you know, get him arrested, sent to prison. So he runs away from her, changes his name and all this moves to LA and tries to start a new life. And she follows him. But my question is like, there's a PI, like he's all these people he's murdered, all these places he's been, like he doesn't have an alibi. I just don't understand how he gets away with all of it. I don't know. I don't get it. Like that's, that's what's frustrating to me is I'm like, there's no way he would get away with murdering all these people. Like he's not careful. He's not clean. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. and I honestly, I don't know how season two ends, so I can't really speak to it, but He's also kind of a, he's he's kind of like the guys in, in these movies, in Wayne's World and Hot Rod. Like, he's kind of just a burnout guy that didn't really make anything of his life. But he's actually very smart and very well read. He's, like, huge into books. So I don't know if he, his his knowledge of, from reading, maybe he applies that to... And he, I don't know. I was talking about this with Rich too. So in the basement of the bookstore in season one, he has this like, there's this room to preserve old books and he ends up using it to hold people hostage. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes to LA, he has that same room. How did he move that room? Very interesting. I don't know. (laughs) Or did he like recreate the room? Like, well, what's very interesting too is that I did read the books. Um, I watched the first season. I loved it. I'm super into like, psychological thriller type movies um and books and so I was like yes I want to read the second book before the second season comes out and the second book is very different really from the second season the first season was pretty similar um save for like a few plot pieces but um it was pretty similar but the second book was like pretty much nothing like really very the very basic plot point of the second season is similar to what it is in the book, but all of the additional pieces of the season that kind of make it all make sense is really not in the book at all. So mm. it was, it was a fun, I, that is like one of my favorite things to do is to read a book and watch the TV show or the movie and compare. So oh, I, I do too, but doing that. you're always disappointed though. Yes. I in saw, one or the other. <laughs> I saw the first Hunger Games immediately literally immediately after I finished the book Mm -hmm. and so everything was so fresh in my mind and you just you want to compare like well that didn't happen that didn't happen right and did you read Harry Potter yep so with that with that too like Harry Potter is so the movies and the books are just their own thing Mm -hmm. like they cannot be compared because the movies went in a like again the basic plot points are there but the movies went in a completely different direction than the books yeah and I feel like the movies get really, really dark and, like, yeah. very serious, which, I mean, there's some very serious themes, but the books still kept somewhat of a lightheartedness to them. Yeah. And I feel like the movies lost that. I but think it, it was, like, the small scenes in the books that, like, the small chapters of, like, oh, Harry's walking to Hogsmeade or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, those little aspects that they just cut out of the movie were what made it still feel, like... A little bit lighthearted, yeah, and like it, he was still just a boy at school, and not this dude fighting yeah. like <laughs> the most dangerous guy in the world. I don't even know. It's and I talked to a lot of people about this. Like, what is your favorite Harry Potter movie? I I don't I don't know because the third book was my favorite. Yeah, I but I was disappointed in how that was made into a movie. I didn't I didn't love the movie. The third movie's weird. It is weird. Um. And the director change and the casting mm-hmm. changes just kind of, it, it was like around the third book that, or the third movie that things like really started things to changed. change in the, yeah. in the series. For I definitely did not like the fifth movie. No. I didn't really love the fourth movie. I See, I loved Goblet of Fire. I didn't love. I loved it as a movie. I thought the movie was fun and action-packed. I didn't love the book, and I think that's why I have kind mm. of a, a issue with the movie. Though also just like Cedric Diggory dying was like so traumatizing. 
And his dad, like, oh, my God. Oh, it was very sad. So traumatizing to see that. I don't know. Or uh, Robert Pattinson before Twilight fame. Man, I thought he was so hot. I know. In that movie, but I did not. I was not into Twilight. No. (laughs) I kind of got into Twilight, and then I realized that it's garbage, and I'm really sorry if any of you out there like Twilight. It's it's bad. Anyway, my (laughs) I love the first two Harry Potter movies, Mm -hmm. but I've heard a lot of people complain that they're too similar to the books, and I don't really think that's a problem. No, I don't think that's a problem either. They are pretty similar, and that was, you know, back when... Yes, they were still like fighting Voldemort, but it was still like kids at school learning. I mean, they were like all twelve, thirteen cool things, years old, you learning know? how to fly on their brooms, like learning how to do all these things. It was so innocent, and then they lost their innocence oh when gosh. Richard Harris died. And I saw that I saw all of them in theaters, but I remember seeing the first one with my dad in theaters and just thinking, like, this is the coolest thing since Star Wars. It was, it was, it was like our movie. Star Wars, yes. you know, like, but they made all the movies right away. So now we don't have anything else to look forward to except for Fantastic Beasts, which in my opinion, I never saw them. Like I was just kind of like, for me, when the last movie came out, that was the end. I, my husband is not a huge Harry Potter fan. He likes Harry Potter. He didn't finish reading the books. He like saw all the movies like once. So he's just like, you know, they're fine. Um, he loved Fantastic Beast. Really? Better. He said he liked him better than Harry Potter, which I found offensive. <laughs> I really liked them, the Fantastic Beast movies, but I, you know, nothing compares to Harry Potter. And right. also, if they ever try to remake Harry Potter, I will... I will... Boycott act that. It. I will protest it, yep. for sure. I ain't seeing it. Um, what else are you watching, Nina? I'm still watching The Man in the High Castle. I think I'm going to be watching it for the rest of my life. I don't know. <laughs> There's like four seasons, um, and we just started the third season. But the show is like a, in like a mentally and emotionally draining show, mm-hmm. and it just you just can't sit there and watch it forever. No, I felt like I needed a break, but my husband was like, "No, let's keep watching, or I'll watch it without you." And I'm like, "Well, you can't I do guess that. I better watch it." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, still watching it. We'll review that um, in a couple of weeks. It is really good, but like I said, it is just like. Just a lot. It is. It's just a lot. lot. It's very heavy material. All right. Well. That's where I'm at. Well, once I'm done with you, I think I'll jump on that. And there's tons of other other great shows out there, movies that we'll get into. Um, But for now, that is what else we're watching. Okay, we're back to my favorite movies. So again, to refresh, we have Wayne's World, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Hot Rod. So Nina, I want to know your opinion on Wayne's <laughs> World because these other two were favorite films of yours. So you knew what you, you, knew what you yeah. were getting into. You were familiar. So Wayne's World, I want to know your thoughts. I feel and you like can be honest. I have an unpopular opinion okay. about Wayne's World because I... I, and I've talked about this before that in the 90s when I was young, um, like my, I just didn't watch these kind of movies. Like basically when I was growing up, all we watched in my parents' household was like animated films. So I've mm-hmm. seen, you know, all of the Disney animated films, but I hadn't seen the like the Sandlot until I was like in middle school. I didn't see, there was a lot of stuff I just didn't see, including Wayne's World. Um, and what are those movies that Mike Myers does? Austin Austin Powers. Powers, I never saw any of those. (gasps) Me either. Right. So watching them as an adult, I just don't, I just don't get it. Is it like Christmas Story that just, yeah, it's just not The nostalgia doesn't hit you. Right. Because I don't have the nostalgia aspect of it. So it's just, I think that if I would have seen it when, at that time, I think it would have been hilarious. But watching it as an adult, I just didn't think it was that funny. There were some really funny moments, but overall, and people probably think the same thing about Hot Rod, which I think is like the funniest movie ever, but it's just, it was just kind of dumb. That's okay. You know what? It's not. I just don't think, I don't think Mike Myers is funny. You know what? People find that really offensive when I say that, but I just, like when I watched Austin Powers a couple years ago, Austin Powers is not funny. I I agree with you. You know, oh. It just bothers me. I'm not the biggest Mike Myers fan as it is, but I love this movie. And that's what's so weird to me. Like, I don't really care for any of his line of work. I think he's 
I think he's a pretty decent guy, mm-hmm. but I don't really care. Like, I don't care for the Austin Powers films, which, again, is, like, blasphemy yeah. to say that. But I, I don't think they're funny either. Any 90s child is just, like, <gasps> How dare cursing you? me right now. But, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the Cat in the Hat is garbage. That movie I have is not t- seen that. Don't waste she your time. just makes these, like, facial expressions <laughs> that just, I'm like, ugh, stop. I don't, for me, I don't know what it is. (laughs) I first saw Wayne's World in middle school and I just, I just kind of fell in love with it. And yeah, it's dumb. It's not (laughs) smart at all. It's not clever. It's supposed to be that way. You have to go into it thinking like, okay, this is going to be a dumb movie. But it's, it's, it's fun because you get a lot of (laughs) SNL people. Yeah. You got Rob Lowe. You got, you know, some, some musical cameos. Um, Yeah, it, it is 100% nostalgia. For mm-hmm. for me, like, it, but I still laugh. Like, it, this is for me the movie I could watch any day of the year, and it will instantly put me in a good mood. Mm-hmm. I can see that. It's just it's just a fun movie, and like Nina took a like a picture and put it on her Instagram story of <laughs> the scene where they're talking about Cassandra, and and Garth's like, "You gonna marry her, Garth? Marriage is punishment for shoplifting in some countries." <laughs> And I'm like, you know, that is kind of a shitty line <laughs> to like point out of the whole movie. Like it's it's aged, you know, it's almost 30 years old. True. It's not like some of it is just kind of, I wouldn't say offensive, but some of it's just kind of uh, not really funny anymore. <laughs> but I don't know. I still really enjoy this film. And I think I would 100% give it a five out of five just because for me, it's that movie that I could watch anytime. It would make me laugh. What would you rate it? <laughs> I would rate it like two out of five. Two out of five. I hey, just feel so bad, but it's just... Hey, you gave it something. Yeah, it's it's just... If it had the nostalgia piece for me, then I think I would be able to rate it higher. But yeah, that's just... And that's okay. Yeah, I think I missed out on a lot of really great movies in the 90s. And now it's just not the same seeing no. it as an adult. No, I agree with you. Like, there are some things that, you know, we miss the mark on. Yeah. And I just don't think I'm ever going to enjoy it. Well, and I think, like, when Napoleon Dynamite came out, which I thought was hysterical, my mom was like, this is the stupidest movie I've ever seen. What garbage? Why are you laughing at this? But I feel like it was just because I was, like, 13 when it came yeah. out, and I just thought all that stupid stuff was hilarious. And I still think it's funny because, not because it is funny, but because of the nostalgia. Yeah. So maybe that's just... There's just something funny about seeing this super awkward, dorky guy dancing in a Vote for Pedro t-shirt. That's yeah. just always going to be funny just because we grew up in that time. It is. Um, Same with Hot Rod. Yep. Hot Rod it's gonna is... going to be funny forever for me. I, I did not think it was funny the first time I saw it. I saw it in theaters with a few of my friends and they were dying. And I was like, this is really dumb. Like, what is so funny about this? And it took me a few years. I started watching it again in college. It's it's still funny to me now. Like, it's just, it's kind of similar in Wayne's world that it's not, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's got a lot mm-hmm. of, like, funny quotable lines. Again, it's got a great cast. And you really root for Rod. Like, he's not an... And that's the thing with some of these movies is the main character has to be likable. And mm-hmm. he is. Like, yeah, he's kind of pathetic. But he's he's true to himself. He doesn't, you know, try to change... He does try to change who he is a little bit, but then he realizes, nope, I'm going to just be Rod. I'm going to be me. And there's just something, like, somewhat inspirational about that. <laughs> just this person who, yeah, like as we age we become who we think we're supposed to be and rod just stays the same and he's true to himself even it's not just rod too it's like his whole friend his whole, group yeah are just these dudes that i don't even know and i, I love bill hater in this movie too oh like i'm God. obsessed with bill hater i think he is amazing and he's, he's so, so funny. funny in this and he really doesn't have that big of a part Mm-mm. like it's pretty small but he's great in it too I would also give this a five out of five. Same. It's just a classic comedic masterpiece. It's so it's fun. Has also aged really well, I, I think. Will, I always say that I will just fight anybody that does not <laughs> think this movie is funny. I'm sorry if you don't think it's funny because you're just really missing out. You got to <laughs> give it a chance. It at least three times and it will just get funnier. It, it will It will grow <laughs> on you for sure. I said you look shitty. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> babe wait babe no oh, babe God. 
Uh, it's the to, best movie ever. It really is. Uh, to end things, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It is an emotional roller coaster. Cinematically, it is beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. I love the look of this movie, the feel of this movie. One thing I did want to bring up about it that is really kind of sad. So, if you know anything about Jim Carrey, especially in recent years, people a lot of people think he went crazy, but really he just got really in touch with himself and his art and he kind of got sick of the whole Hollywood scene and it has a lot to do with when he did Man on the Moon which is the movie about Andy Kaufman and this came after that he was supposedly going through a huge breakup when they filmed this movie and he was very depressed when they were making it and the director Michelle I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it being French he wanted to bring out that sadness in him like he wanted him to be as sad as possible to make this movie because he's a sad character like he's he you know doesn't really push himself he has it we don't even really know what he does for a living but he doesn't really like his job he doesn't really have any friends he's a loner he's sad and then is also going through this horrible breakup and is reliving all these memories with his ex it's it's kind of it made me mad when I when I heard about that that he like purposely wanted to like, bring took out advantage of yeah that like hard time in Jim Carrey's life. But I think that I think this director is known for that. He's done a lot of like short films. I think he's more of an art an artiste. Like he does likes more artistic stuff, which is totally totally fine. Um, but I mean, you can see that you can see that when you see this movie, how sad he is. Like and but it like I said, it does end on a good note, a somewhat positive note um different from the book presumed presumably but i do appreciate the message in it i like the time jumps i like again the cinematography is beautiful i just i love this movie and it just it makes you feel mm-hmm. and i like a movie i might i like a movie that makes me laugh but i like a movie that makes me feel and this movie makes me feel stuff mm-hmm. Every time I watch it, you can get a good cry out of it, too. Yeah. And I really like the line um, that that Clementine has, like, like, people want me to be a concept. They want me to, you know, save them. I'm just a girl looking for my own peace of mind and don't make me yours. Kind of just like we cannot use people to make our lives better, I guess. Like, you can't take a person kind of like... 500 Days of Summer. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah, that was a good movie too. Like how he wanted Summer to be, like he thought, oh, my life is nothing without her. Like she is, you know, the manic pixie dream girl of my life will be better because this crazy girl is going to make me live and feel something. Like people can't do that. That's just not how we operate. Like you have to find that in yourself. And I think by the end of that movie, they kind of, find that about themselves i guess i don't know it's a great movie i love it i would also give it five out of five me too it's a beautiful story of lost love and love found again i think that if it were in a normal chronological timeline it wouldn't be as impactful also i agree it'd be really boring yeah it would just be like depressing it'd be very sad yeah i mean it is depressing but almost the the fact that you have to piece together in your mind while you're watching the movie what is actually happening helps you not feel as like sad about it Mm -hmm. and feel like it's more of like a puzzle but i would also say five out of five it's just so good it is i haven't watched it in a really long time but it's a great movie i really want to go watch hot rod now being honest now that we laughed about it so much well those were some of my favorite movies um Oh, and I don't think we said where you can find Eternal Sunshine. I don't think you can find it anywhere streaming as well. Probably just got to rent it. I do have all three of these movies on DVD, so can, you know, feel a little vintage, believe it or not, watching it on DVD. Head us up when we can mail it to you. <laughs> Back when, like, Netflix, do you remember Netflix was just DVDs? Yes. That's so weird. Get it in the mail. It's so weird My to husband think about. My actually at his parents' house has a Netflix DV that he never sent back, and they just, like, they never got fined for it. I'm like, I don't think they do that anymore even if you sent it back they'd be like should like frame it and like send it to some like (laughs) like modern history museum or something um well thank you for for watching wayne's world even though you didn't really enjoy it but i felt like 
it was something I needed to do to yeah. become a real adult. I turned 30 <laughs> this year. So, you know, there's some things I guess I should probably watch before I hit that milestone. On maybe, life. maybe. <laughs> I'm sure there's more. If there's other movies you think Nina should watch yes. before she turns 30, please let us know. I'm sure there's a lot of things that I have not seen that are iconic. Like considered to, classics. Yes. Me too. Yep. You should definitely comment on what we should watch. Mm-hmm what your favorite movies are, what you think of these movies. Yes. What What do you think of these three films? Let us know. Next month we will do some of Nina's favorite movies. Um, and yeah, the next episode is already February, which is crazy. It is crazy. Where did January go? I don't know. But you guys, thank you for listening. As always, if you have any ideas on what we should review, let us know. Um, and until then, keep on streaming. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.